Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Brian Gillis. And I'm Stephen Maltmanex. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, you can sadly put a big dent in your wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell, it might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. I mean, it's no secret to anyone that our podcast is kind of done with, or I guess not a stable release. It doesn't have a, a normal release cycle. There's no every day Wednesday or Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Friday or how many other days we wanted to do. But I think it's funny that the last episode we did was a special occasion, correct me if I'm wrong, because a movie I said you'll never be able to see in theater, what came to your theater and you went and saw it with an audience. And here we are about a year later, or maybe almost two years later, actually, mm-hmm. and no one can see a movie uh, in theaters. Not everywhere. Some, pretty much. Some theaters are open. <laughs> you can go to the home box office. Though. Exactly. We, we picked something on the home box office, HBO Max, just the week that they announced that their entire 2021 calendar year is yep. going to be available for streaming, yeah. day yeah. and date. And so we pick one of their quintessential classics, that fittingly was actually on the list of this could be on a Debt to Cinema episode if we ever get to it from the beginning. And if you are a fan, welcome back. And if you've never heard before, welcome all the same. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this one was interesting. It, it was not at all what I thought it was going to be. Not just because I had seen Persona, but more importantly, uh, maybe it's because of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, but I thought like pretty much this whole movie was literally going to be death and Max Van Sydow sitting across from each other just playing chess. No, that's that's probably like <laughs> four minutes of screen time, maybe. If that, yeah, it's yeah. probably like honestly, it's probably like two and a half minutes, maybe. Yeah, no, it, it's the image that uh, you know just gets parodied to death because it's it's such an iconic yeah. image and just the costume of death is is so it's simple you know Mm -hmm. but because it's ingmar bergman i always just i hesitate to recommend it to people unless you know for sure it's their thing and in art house circles you know this this is one of those for me let me start by putting it this way this is one of the first uh, among the first movies that criterion put out on blu-ray so that was a gateway for me anyway to get into more of the art house stuff because the more mm-hmm. stuff they put out on blu-ray that you wanted to see look awesome from that era yeah of course th- this was among that and so that was my first bergman and then it led to other stuff like wild strawberries and the magician but i guess what you have to say is more interesting to me because i i never know how to pitch this movie i don't even know if i want to pitch it to people it's just either you see it and you appreciate it or you don't well, i don't think this one's that artsy like compared to persona, persona which yeah. i've seen <laughs> yeah. fucking twice and i don't i'll see it eventually again but not on my radar i didn't want to see it the second time just the way that like film professors especially just like jerk off to it like oh my god ah it's a filmmaker making a movie about films and look at this look at the way the the film is projected on the screen ah and what what is it is it about actors Ah." hipsters need to calm down just (laughs) a little bit uh, this is 57 persona 66 so yeah it's nine years Mm -hmm. preceding um, and at this point in time, 
uh, Bergman wasn't what he became. You know, he was like, oh, he's, he's a successful filmmaker in his own country. He's made some movies. But then this came out and like Cahier du Cinema and, you know, all the people, even Americans were like, oh, fuck, this guy makes movies. <laughs> he like really makes movies, huh? It's like, oh, yeah, no, he I does. Mean, this, <laughs> this and Wild Strawberries came out the same year. He's a working filmmaker, you know, old yeah. school, not like, oh, I'm going to take two years to develop this one thing. He's just like, no, I, I got this. I'm going to go and yeah. I'm going to shoot it. Done like deal. Hitchcock, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make a movie and make a movie and make a movie. It's not David Fincher, yeah. where he disappears for like half a decade. And you're like, where'd he go? Um, it's funny because you know I've seen now just two of his flicks, but this one in particular, I was like, oh, scenes from marriages on HBO Max. I might watch that too. I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll see this one as well. You know, where I, like I said, I was expecting, and also I think it was a little bit shifted for me because that uh, Queen's Gambit show is on Netflix right now, and I saw goddamn chess and shit. Yeah, I saw the first episode of that, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm kind of in a chess mood. And then when I was thinking about, hmm, what what movies out there are kind of about a pandemic or about a plague or something? I was like, well, this one's the Black Death. That's pretty fitting, I guess. Um, like I said, I almost picked Blindness instead because I was like, well, you know, I really like City of God, same director. And then Andromeda Strain, I was like, oh, that kind of harkens back to our first Dollar Reviews episode for Jurassic World. Also, Michael Crichton. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And more importantly, Robert Wise did uh, West Side Story. I was like, oh, that'd be yeah, like, that's right. That'd be a yeah. fitting. By, by the way, our first uh, between you and me, it was Mad Max Fury Road. It wasn't uh, Jurassic World. You, you know, Count Jurassic World. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying that wasn't the first one. Was it not? I, I thought that it was. That was not the first one we did, no. Huh. No. Because and I've not listened to the Mad Max episode. That was before we had anything refinery thing. And yeah, I, I remember when we like started recording that. Just I had no, I didn't know how to start. I'm not sure if you you kind of took the reins. Just mm-hmm. I, I I sounded so fucking dumb. I'm sure. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, I listen to old stuff every once in a while, but I don't think, with the exception of Magic Mike, that I've like ever really re-listened to a dollar reviews episode like there there's like a little less interest on my part because the conversation is so slanted and we have to watch what we say and like the the no spoilers thing was so um important to the idea of the show where i was like well i don't who cares you know i'd I mean, be really <laughs> it, it does kind of depend for me just because it's there's so much time now in between and you mm-hmm. know it's like i could I don't know. A random thing that comes to mind is if, uh, you know, vacation. Um, I don't remember a damn thing about it other than I just didn't like it. But yeah, if I, I listen to my, us talking about it, it's it's just it's kind of funny how, you know, I could hear myself talking about things where I'm just like, what? Like, I'm not I don't remember that. Or it just kind of starts coming back. It's just it's it is kind of cool that we have that time capsule. So, yeah, just in listening to that and seeing what I actually thought at the time, because views do change and progress and it's like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually cool seeing what this was i like i'm with you where sometimes my memory of the movie is lesser than the the memory of recording an episode about it but on occasion you know especially nowadays you know i'll be on amazon or netflix or hulu or whatever streaming service i'm going through the selections like oh shit we did an episode on that one and, and that one and shit we did yeah. two on that one and we did that uh, you know and it, it, it it's so funny that you know, in that time frame, I know you had Movie Pass, but in an <laughs> that era, really helped a lot. Yeah, actually, definitely. Yeah. But in that an era, pretty much the entire show. And for me too, you know, like I, I didn't have the money, but I worked at a movie theater at the time, and yeah, fuck, I, I basically just worked there for the free movies. And but now, you know, well, just until a year ago, at least, it was like, oh, there's Movie Pass, and there's AMZ, you know, Stubbs Club, and A List, and 
Uh, now the you know ArcLight's got a system, or this place got a system. They all have their own system. The Regal Movie Club. Um, but the now game's changing now, yeah. Now the, and I, there's like a oh, whole man. other episode you can do on this because mm-hmm. I I think we're approaching it differently too. I, I, I you know what we might I might just keep it in this episode. I, I don't know. I mean. The thing is, I did not watch this on Criterion Channel or HBO Max. I sure. watched this on Canopy. Oh, um, sure, yeah. The If you yeah. have a library card, you yeah. can watch a thing. I yeah. mean, and I, I don't know if... I guess I'm going down another topic here, but it's like, I don't know. I'm realizing from my movie habits, like, I don't, I'm not paying for a single streaming service, and yet, weirdly, the HBO Max thing kind of solidified that, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, in a petty way where it was just, I realized... I, I guess how I approach viewings and especially during this pandemic, I kind of realized how much I really just hate watching a ton of movies at home. So mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to, I, I guess I just kind of watch, I'm slowly watching less as I keep going um, because just watching stuff at home is not interesting. And yeah, I, I guess what I want to say is like when you go to the theater, you know, you, there's release dates that you look forward to and it isn't just the theater experience, but there is an entire culture behind just getting out there and seeing something with a crowd and talking about it and it's just this big cultural artifact of this time uh you know and then if you're in a town with cinephiles and you go to a revival house and you watch something that's a niche thing where you're sharing an experience with people but uh you know just when it comes to the future of cinema i'm just like you know i don't don't know just maybe because it's on the internet for some people it'll it'll work i mean financially it seems like it will like that's where the future is going but i don't know man just like uh culture where there's no social experience with watching something and talking about it just doesn't seem that fun i mean people do talk about it it's just the attention span the amount of time that something is hot and it's relevant and and conversation is stuck on it is so shortened now where everyone does a different way where you know it's kind of so unlike disney for disney plus to have you know this huge show the mandalorian or even the right stuff, I guess. And for them to actually stick to the HBO system of weekly episodes. So every single week, there's another thing to get excited about and talk about, you know, versus the Netflix or Amazon or Hulu model of, nah, here it is, day one, here's the season, fucking watch it or don't, we don't care, one and done, it's over. And and then these streamers have their own original films, like Mank, for instance, which I haven't seen yet, where you're like, oh shit, no, this is like a real movie by real filmmakers that would be but in a see, cinema. It's like, it's there on a platform, and I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't, I don't have to get to this right away because it's not like the, it's not going yeah, anywhere. So it's, it's yeah. like, it, just the hype is not the same, man. Like I, uh, Wonder Woman coming out Christmas Day. Pretty excited, regardless. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna I, see it, but I would like to go see it in a theater. Uh, yeah, yeah, but now I'm just kind of like, well you know the the excitement of going home to watch something is just not the same to me but that is just me so it's like it's one of those things where i don't know i'm just kind of like i'll wait till the day that i'm actually feeling it probably unless that shit happens to be opening day that it comes out but man i i don't know well it's it's fitting that warner brothers losing so much money on tenet that would they would take a risk like this and it is a one year risk and it's not really a risk it's a calculated win for them where they don't have don't the top subscribe streamer. Way, this is locked in. Uh, maybe, n- uh, but honestly, this fails horribly. But this vaccine, know. which is already approved in the UK, well, the UK doesn't exist anymore, but it's already approved in London. Um, it's going to be approved soon. In the last three presidents, Obama, Clinton, and Bush the second, have all said they're going to take the vaccine on camera or live TV. 
And so I don't really see like, oh yeah, masks are still going to be a thing, but I don't see the world staying the way it is with the lockdowns and the like privacy culture being this way for three more months. Like I think come late winter, like February, March, that the vaccine is going to be so available and probably super affordable too, that HBO is going to be showing all these Warner movies. And there's so many King Kong versus Godzilla, the fourth matrix film, um, Wonder Woman, obviously, but it, there's so many more on that list. Dune, and most of these are tentpole, huge, go see them in theater movies, like the second Suicide Squad movies on there. You know, like big, yeah, big, big movies. The new James Wan movies on there, like big movies um, that Netflix won't be able to compete. Amazon won't be able to compete, and it's gonna make people buy a subscription regardless. And this is in such stark contrast to Disney's idea of. Oh, you pay $8 a month for our streaming service? That's cute. Do you want to see that big movie, Mulan? Okay, cool. Give us $20 one time. Oh, hold up, hold up, <laughs> like, hold up. Because my, my understanding is that they tried that. It didn't work, and they're not going to do that with Soul. They're just going to put it out there. Uh, Soul, yes, but if Black Widow doesn't get a, a theatrical release, they will definitely do the same thing. I guarantee it. The Eternals, whatever else that they have down the line, I don't know. Maybe they might just bump up the price to fifteen bucks to compete with HBO Max. Cause probably, but I mean, frankly, H- what it's it's seven bucks right now. I mean, it's, that yeah, is it's like kind s- for six ninety nine or seven ninety nine. Yeah. But it's not really because there's not really anything on there besides like The Mandalorian, or you know, as far that, as new content, yeah, yeah. new content. Because let's say like, oh, you've never seen Star Wars. Well, there you go. Every single Star Wars movie, boom. You know, like, oh, I've never seen a Marvel movie. Everything except the Hulk and the and the Sony Spider Man films. You know, there's so much theatrical like legendary stuff in there but at the same time if you compare that hbo or they have a new must-see series every two or three months period and it's been that way since the 90s like they have consistently put out such good content that's why it's called hbo max you know this is hbo plus a whole bunch of other stuff but it's funny like to get back on this movie where yeah, you know, they, they got the Criterion Collection, or at least a lot of it, and they got the TCM stuff, and it, it's there, and it's actually kind of kept together, and it, there's a little bit of, like, a, um, whatchamacallit, like, it's almost like a librarian thing, you know, like, it, it's finessed, it's not just thrown there, they they pick and choose, and, you know, it's like TCM, it's like their, their monthly catalog, and just the fact, I mean... Would I have preferred watching this for the first time in a theater? Yeah, maybe. But I didn't watch it in my living room on my 4K TV. I watched it in my bedroom. I watched it on an 85-inch projector. Nice. Was it a theatrical experience? No, it was not the best quality. I didn't buy the nicest projector. But it was dark. There's no light. There's no distractions. There's no one on a cell phone. And that's one of the very few things that I am proud of where... I remember very, very well when the last films I saw before the pandemic, and that was Lights Out, not, excuse me, not Lights Out, um, Knives Out, and someone right next to me was on their phone. And right before that Christmas, someone, uh, there was a group of four girls in the front of the theater during Little Women talking very loudly. Like, I had several very... You have very... the worst experiences, man. I do. Yeah. I really do. But I, I've had several very not great theater going experiences right at the tail end of it being a thing that we could do and i'm almost i wouldn't say happy because i mean if you look at my letterbox history i don't watch anything anymore i, I watch maybe one movie a, a month maybe two at the most 
three if I'm lucky, you know, and part of that is that I work a lot. I have a full-time job now, but more of it is like you said, where I don't really, I'm not excited about watching stuff at home. You know, it's not about the chair. It's not about the experience. It's just the idea of this is out right now. I saw a trailer for it. I don't know how long it's going to be playing, but I should see it before it's gone. And even when they take things off as streamers, it's like, well, okay, well, I'll rent it, I guess, or something. I mean, I I don't know. It's, you know, the enjoyment of the form is not dead for me, but it's like, I feel like I might be hypocritically saying this because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch less and less. And it's like, oh, Letterboxd last month, I still watched 20 movies, you know? If I feel like stream, I actually most of the time wear literally orange glasses. Like you can get, I buy them on Amazon. I have like four pairs. They're uvex they're made by 3m they are literally meant for construction sites i wear those i'd say 80 percent of the time like lights hurt my eyes so much where i had to buy a projector for my bedroom like i do not allow phones in my bedroom the idea of putting a tv in there it just projected light is not the same as reflective light when you're looking at a light source and what that does to your eyes it's so unnatural it's like staring at the sun almost you yeah, know yeah it and so seeing a projected image instead it's not you're not looking at light you're seeing a shadow you know you're, you're and then especially if you're watching something in black and white and like more importantly like this film you know it it's almost like another realm and like where this film takes place is actually i thought it was kind of funny where in a certain way you could kind of see this as like a bit of a spiritual successor to kingdom of heaven like because it's the crusades yeah yeah. if if like some guy on that journey who met orlando bloom (laughs) was like okay i'm going back home now and then they 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 showed up at their doorstep and they're like what the fuck happened to our country (laughs) why are people dying like by the way that jump scare when you see the the guy with uh, no face it didn't get me but i was like holy shit there's a fucking jump scare in this movie oh yeah no i mean it's good it sets the stage it's pretty good you know i mean like there's I, I guess I'm numb to it because I've seen it so many times, but I like the balance um, between just the humor in this movie and just like the seriousness of it. Of just, uh, y- mm-hmm. you know, even though, uh, God, I'm I I keep I, I got like the character names like I don't know the it's character like, names. I, no, I, I read you them and I'll Max Van Sydow yeah. and you got his choir and, you got, and then you, you got, have the actors troop. Say Yons or and Johns and I'm I'm gonna it, screw it's, it up. It's uh, but like even though they don't like each other, there's still like you know that comedic banter between them and mm-hmm. <laughs> even when they're going in a situation where they know that they're fucked, it's like yeah, oh, do you say anything? No, nah, not really, but well, kinda. You know, it, it was very clear on what what was going. on. I'm paraphrasing it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, but um, I mean, the character. Get what I'm saying. Who right? the characters are is more important than who the what the character or what the characters are is more important than who the characters are. You know, you yeah. got your your leading man in the in the game of death. You know, the chess game. You got your knight. You got his squire. You have the the comedy troupe, and then you have the the director of the of that group, um, the the blacksmith and his wife. I mean, that's pretty much it. And then the randoms that show up. There's a lot of colorful characters and, like, plot lines to juggle around. And, you know, even then, I don't know if I can tell you what the real point of it is all, but I do like how all those stories wrap up. I don't think there is a point. I think this is kind of film where it's just, what was this time like? What was this point in history like? It's just kind of like a snapshot of history that there isn't much recording of, and it's still vastly more dreadful than the the current state of the world is 
because the mortality rate while this virus is horrible and mind you someone i know a relative of theirs literally just passed away yesterday from it like it is killing people but it's not you know what they show in this film it's not hideous boils and yeah people eating their skin and hundreds if not millions of 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 thousands of people just dying there are things there there are aspects to it too where it's like there's the people that see the seriousness of it seriousness of it and then there's also kind of the naysayers like even the squires like you know what's what's with all this modern doom and gloom talk like you know do people really believe the shit while they see all these i want to call them sinners or infected people as they're whipping themselves it's that's never been clear to me what to call them i I guess they're they're, i guess they all have it they're flogging themselves i don't think any of them have it actually or maybe they're they're using there's a very very small piece of exposition when the squire goes to that like uh, church or whatever you will and the mm-hmm. painter is inscribing on the walls all of like the stories and oh yeah people like that it's basically foreshadowing the entire movie yeah. though and everything that yeah because he he explains the floggers and he he says you know it's a very important line where he's like oh yeah you know like the doom and gloom stuff the scary stuff the devil stuff people like that yeah. more than they like the comedy like people like that I mean, more than they like yeah uh, you know the pretty pictures you know that's the that stuff also that kind wins of that's also the movie sort of telling you what it's doing which it, it kind of does that several times like it's 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 cool when he's talking to the artist um mm-hmm. you, you know like and he's like oh you know why why are you painting doom and gloom why not something more happy that people will like but then you, you know and they have this whole conversation but then you kind of bounce back with the actors as they're they're going to go into town and do their act and then um uh uh I'm butchering the name. Uh, Yaf, he's suggesting that, like, yeah, oh, why, why don't we do, like, something kind of fun and, you know, sexy and funny that people like? And then uh, the, the director yeah, is like, no, comes people out hate that. Like, with the they're skull saying, mask on. Yeah, yeah. And they're each saying, like, the exact opposite thing. And it's, I guess maybe it's in a way of, like, commenting that, you know, you even get to the performance out in the street and they're just all heckling the actors on stage. And, it's it's kind of this movie's way of commenting that you know what the audience just doesn't know what the fuck they want and the artists are just going to do whatever they do and they're going to get criticized for it anyway for for a movie like this though um i imagine that that's the case especially if you're in art house territory and you're going to polarize a ton of people that's kind of a direct way of commenting on that which bergman does that in other works like i've i've only seen like 10 of his movies he's got like 70 but you know, you've seen Persona. He, it's it's common that he has characters that are actors or performers of some sort. Sure, yeah. And then you know the relationship that they have with the audience is relevant to whatever the story is. Well, I think it's super relevant in this one though because a lot of the, I mean, it's not the main point. I mean, you got the the chess game. You have the yeah. the knight and the squire return from the crusades and come to terms with that and why was their journey even happening and you meet the person who told them to go on the journey and look at him now he's a horrible person he's a thief he's a grave robber and then ultimately you even see him like in practice in the bar where he's able to just spin put thoughts into people's minds he's just like hey this guy's an actor your wife ran with an actor right you should kill this guy well even like better than that though he gets his just desserts you know he gets the play he ends up I, I love that shot just like it's it's probably like the one like oh shit badass moment in the movie where the squire just like you know does the perfect kind like the image itself you feel it if this movie was made today you oh, know you there would, would be like it. some sort of gushy yeah flesh oh, yeah. sound but like no you see blood coming out like of his hands as he covers his eyes and it's like 
yeah, the image is there. If there was a sound, then that would be way more intense. But damn, it's uh, like it's a pretty badass moment. I really, I mean, I liked a lot of the movie. There's, I, I think one of the things that really stood out to me and not in a good way was the cuts of this film were some of them were really jagged where there were like sound artifacts and it wasn't from bad preservation where you'd hear like a sound effect or like a song or something. It would just cut to a new scene and it would just fall off. I was like, Oh man, what the fuck? Or like, there'd be like Uh, really weird um, visual cuts too, where someone's like in the middle of an action and then it would cut to a completely new scene or new sequence. Like, huh? Okay. Like like when? I mean, Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't write them down, but it happened two or three times. Like I think actually in the bar, actually right after what's his name gets his face cut and the squire leaves and he's like outside uh, no, but yeah, and then it then it does a dissolve yeah. where there's the hilltop and yeah, yeah, there's just there's the wife and the yeah, there were, there were the strawberries. Yeah, there's some weird audio. I mean, it's okay. It's an older film. You know, it wasn't a studio film to be precise. Yeah. You know, it's an artsy film. And you got to preserve it. it yeah. You know, like I'm I'm not gonna ma- say it's a bad film because of these things. I'm not gonna say it's a bad film at all. But they, some of those uh, elements of like just bad editing like stuck out to me. I was like, huh, that's weird. Like for I, I mean, you take it with a grain of salt, too, or a grain of sand, because, you know, this is one of those, oh, it's the best film ever made kind of films. Like, it is heralded as one of them. And so you're watching it the first time, like me, and you're expecting a certain kind of film, or more importantly, like I said, you're expecting a chess game to last two hours, which would have been awesome. Um, and instead, you're like, what? What happened? Like, literally, the first moment that you even see death, and they have the conversation about playing chess, they set up the pieces... And then immediately there's a dissolve and they're gone. I was like, wait, what? Like, I like I got excited. I was like, oh shit, here we go. They're about to play chess. And then it's like, nope, it doesn't happen. I was like, huh? there's no like deep conversation or anything. I mean, well, you get moments like the confession, and you know, like death is yeah, very sneaky is with that. But yeah, uh, you know how um, the best like horror movies or monster movies, you kind of don't see that much of the monster to begin with. That's in in the same way the same rule kind of passes here where death is just a dude casually you know he's he's not scary he's just kind of doing his job he's behind the scenes just kind of there like i mean he's he's except when he cuts down the tree bored and he's interested and he's also kind of fucking around just like getting information through the confession but yeah i mean like death himself is funny even then like i don't want to say cocky but he's very confident i i had a thought though uh, this time as I was watching it um, uh, just because I'd seen this before like I kind of realized I don't think that the stakes of the match ever mattered because the knight no. says you know what as long as I keep going we keep playing you let me live and if I win you let me go right and yeah he, he doesn't answer at all he just kind of picks a piece and it, I mean basically yeah like you know whatever happens no matter what he will die and he's got this chance to kind of sort his stuff out and figure out what he's going for um but just thinking about that like just made death a lot more interesting to me where it's just like yeah i'm just doing this because i want to you know there it, it, there it doesn't matter what you do this is going to happen anyway and mm. screw it let's just have fun with it and see where it goes death as a character in any media is just a interesting idea like it doesn't matter if it's the fucking super silly norm mcdonald grim reaper on family guy or, you know, it's William Sadler's death in, in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which is 100% a parody or homage to this, like down to mm-hmm. the let's play a game. And my, I haven't seen the new Bill and Ted. I will soon. But, like, first he loses at chess. Uh, well, let's play checkers. 
Let's play Connect Four. Let's play the and he literally loses every single game that exists. You know, he's like, well, best two out of three, best three out of five. Like, you know, he goes down and and and. But even if you like look at something that's more heralded, like um, the Sandman Library by Neil Gaiman, and Death in That is Dream's sister and her role and what she does, and she got her own stuff, her own series and her own comic books too. But like who she is and and like just the idea of the personification of like a part of life is just really interesting where it was even um, apparent in like Greek mythology, you know, that if you look at Western religion in particular, there's no character like there is like, you know, the Grim Reaper is an idea, but I think if anything, that's like kind of like a pagan um drawback or like something that's still kind of like there like halloween where it's not yeah. in the bible you know like there is no death just like some image or figure that's supposed to be spooky right uh-huh. like the the painting of death is scarier than death as you see him in the at the physical manifestation in the movie that you see yeah i mean he's not a scary yeah. guy does he have no. very white makeup yeah does he have the hood on yeah like is he is he very like kind of sadistic i mean it comes with the territory but like him cutting down the tree which like that whole sequence i think i'd seen that sequence before like it seemed i don't know it just seemed like something i'd seen before number one it seemed very shakespearean like kind of like a midsummer night's dream like super whimsical while being serious and like involving like other earthly realm characters not humans but then it also kind of seemed like the twilight zone a little bit where you know he's like oh, are you going to, you know, when they have the confession scene, he's like, oh, are you going to be taking them through the forest? He's like, huh, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I told you what my move was going to be. And just the whole way the the serious actor, you know, quote-unquote kills himself and then actually, you know, ends up dying. Which, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'd get into weird logistics. He, I, I think he only dies because it's funny. Like, wh- what has he actually done to die? Did he have the plague or something? He didn't have a reason to die. I mean, it just, yeah, it, it, it's just, the, I, I guess. I think it was just raising the committed stakes. Committed a sin. No, right? I, I, th- I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it literally was just death didn't have, until that point in the film, like, death wasn't really an ominous presence. It's like, okay, yeah, there's this guy, and he said someone's going to die. And, yeah, maybe and that's fair. There's, yeah. a, there's a there's a game they're playing, but he was just a character. And, and then once he, once he kills him, like, the rest, or once he dies, he doesn't necessarily kill him, per se. It's, you know, this isn't Final Destination, you know, but I guess kind of he does. Um, up until that point, though, he's just a character. And then once that happens, and there's only about another 40 minutes or less after that, that death where you're like, Oh no, this guy's like kind of serious. And like all the way to that final shot of, um, the, almost all the main characters holding hands, like walking on the mountainside, you know? Um, speaking of like, there's quite a bit that happens in this movie, like the prayer, the seven seal monologue, reading from the book at dinner. You know, there's like a lot of, um, religious stuff there's a lot of like allegorical stuff like a lot of it's metaphor really really dense it's super dense that's what's cool about rewatching it is that there's Mm -hmm. usually something different to pull from whether you want to look at it in an intellectual sense or uh you know even if you want to just appreciate the comedy i mean i like i i can't i don't think it was like until my third viewing that i actually thought that the um the seduction of the the troop director was actually pretty hilarious while it was playing to that song because for some reason it went over my head the first few times but 
I really love that song now because I realized that it was about the devil going to the beach and taking a shit. What? Yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's literally a line in the song. And it's like, well, if you're what if you, you know, it's one of those things where like, I don't know, when you're watching something with subtitles and then the songs are subtitled, it it doesn't I don't know, my mind kind of tunes out a little bit like it just doesn't seem insanely relevant. But mm -hmm. Then at one point it just stood out that there was a line, um, because uh, uh, the black one is I guess supposed to be referring to the devil, and the line is literally uh, the black one makes dung on the shore. <laughs> so it's like you know just reading what the I, I like reading the subtitles to that song, just knowing like oh this is like describing the setting of what happens when the devil goes to the beach to take a shit, and it happens while these two are gonna run off and go fuck. It's like maybe that's just kind of a backstory for how the film starts because literally death meets the night on, on the, the beach. beach. Yeah, and it's just you know, and he probably has to take a shit. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's just it's kind of a funny, you know. It, it might be I don't know. It, it's 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 humor, you know. No, the whole like it like yeah. I wasn't expecting coming from persona i wasn't expecting this film to be funny like especially a, a lot of bergman's films are at least i would uh, my favorite uh of his that i've seen is the magician mm -hmm. um and that movie's fucking hilarious to me uh but same similar thing like it, it kind of balances like dark and serious with a lot of humorous jabs in there i mean it's my favorite kind of film i mean if something's like too funny like airplane you know it's just like over the top you're like well shit it's it's not zany, you know it's kind of hard to take it seriously and then on the other hand when no, it, no humor comes from the characters and the situations if it's happen. front to back just high drama you're like well fuck i don't really care it's like life's not like that life's not always serious but th this kind of counterbalance of just, well, life is serious, but life is funny. And even when it's tragic, it's kind of hilarious given the circumstances. Like the the comedic actor, Joe, or whatever his name is, his visions, you know, like the idea of, oh, yeah, the, the devil painted it with his red tail. It's like, well, why were your hands red? Oh, well, I needed you to believe the other visions. And that's substantiated, too, with, you know, that final image where it's him telling his wife, like, you won't believe what I see right now. Or him telling her, you know, oh, I see the devil playing chess with with the knight or I see this, you know, I see this where it's like, no, this guy's on to something. And and ultimately he's saved, you know, why that is. I, I think everyone probably has a different opinion, but this is my take. You got two very different actors. You have this very serious deceiving guy who ultimately is an adulterer and that uh, leads to his demise and then you have this very whimsical over-the-top like jester almost you know he juggles and he's an acrobat and he's wearing this makeup and he plays a leer and you know like he's just he's if this was uh i know it's medieval times but if this was in england you know like well he would be a, a jester like 100 percent basically they are yeah yeah right and so I, I i i think there's a literal line somewhere maybe i just read it in a piece at one point that they're called jesters but yeah maybe but i mean like just the the dance for, for your supper pretend you're a bear do a headstand like so much of it so much of it it's like very obvious like this is this is the court jester and yet maybe I, th this is my take you know you told me like well, maybe you just kind of film that you should sleep on and so maybe for the first time in the history of this entire podcast i watched a film and then several days later talked about it but my thing that i woke up the next morning thinking of 
was the fact that this guy, this funny guy, this is like kind of what the chess game was about. It wasn't, uh, you know, it, it, yes, there was a literal chess game. The, the knight was, you know, a pussy about and knocked the pieces over like, oh, I quit. But the chess, the real chess move and he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking distract you or that wasn't what I was really going to do. I tricked you. It wasn't about saving himself. It was about saving this family. It was about saving this this wife and husband. It's about saving this kid. And more importantly, the reason he saves them is because comedy is more important than dramedy. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, if you want to take it that that's, way. But... That's how I saw it. Like, <laughs> well, it, it, okay, like, I mean... I don't know. know like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Or maybe just it... entertainment on the whole. You know, like... This civilization, like, what are they doing when they escape that final image? They're still mm-hmm. going south. They're still going to that bishop headquarters or whatever to participate in the festival. Like, they're still going there to is entertain. There's a side of me that thinks death is going to come after. Oh, them. for but sure. That's that's oh not for the sure that you want. Like, they're going to die regardless. Everyone yeah. does. And yeah. maybe they get to the town and the night was right and like that town is infested with the plague and they're going to die immediately when we get there. But for this segment for them taking the shortcut through the forest and being protected and and everything that they do and leaving in the middle of the night because they see death all that stuff like what i got from bergman in that moment was just him saying you know and it's something that you've heard so many times and i think it's relevant today especially and and you know, it kind of brings that other conversation we had about streaming back into the fold where <laughs> entertainment is a thing that gets people through the hardest times of life. Like, you know, for a lot of our life, people talk about the Great Depression and how the movie industry worked in Hollywood and how important it was for Chaplin and Buster Keaton and like Harry Lloyd and and Lillian Gish and like all these people or whatever. Like, oh, look at these, look at these films, look how important they are, look how successful they were. Um, Like, thank God that they made movies because it, it took people out of this hard time. Like you could go escape, you could get this hour, hour and a half of entertainment and like you you look at certain movies where it's true too like look at like cinema paradiso for instance where you know this is world war ii like things are bad like but in this town at least at least they have movies you know even the blind guy you know like at least they have movies and so this is this is the 1400s they don't have movies but they have vaudeville you know they have they have a, a traveling show and that's the best they got and you know what like save them at any cost keep art alive right keep art alive don't let them die let everyone else die let the smith die and the knight (laughs) and the squire and his wife and all of them they're dead but uh this funny guy and his kid they're they're worth (laughs) saving i'll give it to you that that is a completely different way of how i would have put it um but but no 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 i mean you're absolutely on point that that is that was basically the knight's arc was uh you know you go back to the church scene and um you know when he thinks he's confessing to a priest like he admits yeah "Yeah, no i do want to die i'm ready to die but this time that i'm getting that's temporary i want to mean something and i want to use it for something and that was the thing at the end of the day like that you know what seems like kind of like a small nice moment when they're on the hilltop having a picnic eating strawberries and everything that is the one bright spot in this movie where everybody is happy you know gathered around Mm -hmm. during the plague you know like much like you could say in real life during a pandemic where hey if you're able to meet up with some people that you haven't seen for a while just to have lunch uh, for a little bit that can be a bright spot through this whole entire goddamn thing 
and yeah, um, you know, there's they ha- they have good conversation. Like even, uh, I, I don't know. The thing that actually sticks with me the most, and like I keep wanting to get more out of the conversation, but like you know, he barely talks to the wife before uh, before Yoff comes in. Yeah. It's, and he just kind of, um, like you know, he he kind of just doesn't really explain what's going on. Just kind of says like, you know, I'm I'm kind of just tired of myself. And she's like, yeah, you know, I get it. I kind of wonder why people are mean to themselves or hate themselves so much. And that's it. Once everybody comes in, but it's like that small exchange says so much about people like that. I get, I I guess I'm projecting it in some sense, but you can definitely fill in the gaps in there where that there is something meaningful being said there. But I mean, yeah, sorry to to go back to your point. Like, yeah, that was the entire thing. That was the meaningful thing that he did was he saved that family and made sure that they got the fuck out of there. Like people ask him about the crusades. Like, why did you go? What did you learn? What changed? Like when he sees his wife for the first time in like 10, 11 years, she's like, oh, it is you. You've changed. I've changed too. Let me make you a supper, you know? Uh, And like, the, the squire seeing someone for the first time like seeing you know the the priest or whatever he is now turned grave robber yeah um he's like oh do you remember me because i fucking remember you dude and they like spent just 10 years doing something they don't didn't even want to do i mean yeah. hey and you can go to kingdom of heaven there's yeah. if you want questions about what the fuck they think they're doing <laughs> yeah right that that's a good one to go to too uh d- director's cut slash roadshow edition we have an episode on it. I'm plugging it in. Yeah. No, yeah, this one, this one's interesting. Like, I, I don't even want to give it a rating, and I didn't give it a rating on Letterboxd. Like, I don't want to buy it. I don't want to say Silver Dollar. I don't want to say any of that shit. Like, it, it's ultimately one of those films where it's very dense and it's very heavy, and the two hours and change that it lasts seems a lot longer. Like, It's, it's actually 97 tr- minutes. Really? Yeah, like just just Fuck. close to being the perfect ninety minute movie. See, I thought it was longer though. Like it, it there's so like it, I think it's because it's mostly conversation. Like there is that very 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 big set piece when the the religious zealots like come to town. They're flogging themselves, and there's like a hundred people on screen at once. But besides that, it, it's you know it, it's a stage play. You know, it's it's such a, a like a small thing. Like it's just a couple of characters and their journey and. It's almost like a western almost you know it's just trying to get home just that's trying very meditative to too as they go through uh just just through the motions yeah, yeah like they're not really doing much like yeah it's an art house film but it's also kind of like a like a slice of like you know early independent cinema like i think i think shadows is actually no that's on that's on hbo max but i was flipping through and i was like oh yeah i remember i remember seeing that and like you know it, it gave me memories of that too where i was like you know this is very yeah, and they came out around the same time. It's like, oh yeah, very, very early, you know, independent cinema. Like it's just think piece. What's going on? I mean, the fact that's in black and white helps too because they it didn't have to be. And uh, I don't know. It's I kept on just looking at the characters. I'm like, that's Max Van Sendow when he was like a young kid. Like just yeah, look. You at know, it's it's funny. I I don't know if I'm coming off as enthusiastic on this flick. Um. I like this flick. I do. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about ratings, but um, th- no, it's it's not a buy. Um, not not for me anyway. Like if, if I'm talking about the magician, for me, that's a fucking buy. Uh, the the Virgin Spring, that's a buy. Um, you know, like it, I I guess it's a good gateway into Bergman flicks. Uh, it's not my favorite, but man, it's still really really good. 
you know, I mean, I mean, it's it's dense and covers a lot of ground. There's a lot to get out of it. Uh, you know, this world is fully realized. I mean, people still talk about it. You know, um, uh, just what what can I say that has not been said already? I mean, what, you gave no, it yes. something new probably by saying, "Hey, this man made a move to save art because he knew he was gonna die." Like I you, you gave this something I had not heard before. <laughs> so I applaud you for that. I purposefully didn't do what i normally do and actually i don't do it at all anymore when i watch a movie i just watch a movie i didn't go on imdb and i didn't go on wikipedia and i didn't research it and i didn't look up any reviews and i didn't look up any theory i didn't look up anything i just watched it blindly and then i talked about it blindly and maybe me having a couple of days to talk like think it over helped that uh but even earlier today when i woke up i was like what the fuck am i gonna talk about should i write down notes and like my one big talking point, you know, I had cemented in my brain. I was like, well, what the fuck? What is that? Like a 10 minute episode? What am I going to talk about? Um, I, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting one. Like I, I do, compared to what else is out there, I mean, they don't really make movies like this anymore. I mean, there's not many filmmakers that make films anymore. And I, I you know, I brought up his name earlier. I, I watched for the first time, like I watched some Harry Lloyd last night and I, I forget which one it was. It's also on HBO. I watched like 10 minutes of it. I was like, wow, man, this is fucking funny. Like the opening shot, it looks like our hero is about to be hung. And then the perspective is flipped and it's actually just him like walking to the train yard. Um, it just oh, uh, I, I think I've seen it. Um, Again, I'll find shit, it. I'm blanking on the name too. It's called uh, uh, Safety Lab. Yeah, the one when he's hanging off the... Yeah. Or, you haven't finished. No, have you? but he's hanging off the clock. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good flick. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. You can find all of our content at dollarviews.net. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. And we're also on Google Play Music, iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free. But for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar, you can send us a donation at Patreon.com/slash/dollarreviews. Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible. But more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a debt to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis, that's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S, and now you know how to spell the email too, and also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX and also follow my film diary at Letterbox under the same name where I log everything I watch and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change. <laughs>